0: The Playhouse and That's Not Kind of Productions acknowledge the Yuggera people, traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording this show today and all surrounding areas where we live, learn and work. We also pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging.
1: Welcome to the Playhouse. Hey, Roomies. Yes, there's one thing that Rook actually mentioned last week. You guys have a name. Roomies. Roomies. I actually like that name, it's quite cute. Thank you. Love it. Now, uh, this is episode three. We want to give a massive thank you to all the listeners out there who are giving so much positive feedback about the podcast. We are brand new to this and it's just nice and heartwarming to be getting nice feedback, which is pretty good.
2: Super, super nice. So thank you for everyone who's listened. Thank you for everyone who's spoken about us or recommended us to a friend. Thank you to anyone who's left us a review. If you would like to leave a review, please do. I think you can do it on the actual ad, apple podcast app as well as pod chaser yes can't do it on spotify yet but as soon as i figure out a way to hack into the spotify um <laughs> makeup of their website and brooke then the hacker uh, brooke the hacker <laughs> Brooke who struggles to type up a microsoft word document brooke the hacker
1: <laughs> now brooke yes how was your lockdown your three-day lockdown
2: okay i don't want to ruffle any feathers or flex too much i'm from the gold coast so I,
1: oh, you didn't get to do was it. Life as
2: normal for me, which was bizarre, because <gasps> I know so many people that live up in Brisbane, that w- Brisbane, Brisbane, Brisbane. Yep. So many people work up in Brisbane and uh, live in Brisbane mm-hmm. or visit Brisbane. So that was quite bizarre. It felt very, very strange.
1: Yeah, you were living this amazing life, and we were all stuck in Brisbane lockdown, eating chocolate and wine. Can you I, don't eat wine, you just drink wine, but yes.
2: Can I say something that makes me sound a bit bogan? Go for it. I went to Dreamworld to watch the monster trucks.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's pretty cool though.
2: I loved it. Some fact about me, I'm a big big monster truck enthusiast. Exactly. <laughs> oh my live, gosh. But it's, it's theatrical, right? It's stunts, it's performance. You mm-hmm. know, it's basically the same as live theatre. Just, you know, not as many lines. But they do say lines, you know, they say like, Ladies and gentlemen
1: let's get ready to rumble <laughs> they don't say ready rumble that
2: was just me improvising um but they, you know they did, you know it's i really I,
1: it's exciting uh, to see theater reopen as well it's, it's pretty good yes
2: vibe. finally and there's so much stuff coming up that sounds incredible
1: speaking of theater reopening a big broadway hit is hitting our way to 2021 do you want to guess oh okay we've recently had frozen
2: we've recently had frozen what other broadway shows exist well here's a not mean girls here's, the here's a hint
1: He's not giving away his shot. Oh, so it's a show about drinking. No, no! <laughs> <laughs> no <course>. shots. <laughs> it's Hamilton. It's Hamilton! Hamilton! Yes, and it's happening at the Sydney Lyric Theatre from March.
2: I'm so excited. I'm so stoked that Hamilton's finally come to Australia. I'm really interested to see how Australian audiences adapt to it and how they enjoy it.
1: It's such a new way of how we see theatre. It's all about diversity and history and Speaking of Hamilton, our next guest, or should I say guests, not one but two, know musicals all too well.
2: Oh, they are most definitely in the room where it happens. This week we are heading back overseas to the US of A. USA,
1: USA. Yes, we're chatting to two musical theatre artists who, prior to COVID, weren't throwing away their shot Cherry Torres and Alexander Ferguson. Ferguson, Ferguson. Ferguson. <laughs> We are waiting in the studio for you. Yes! Good segue! We are ready
2: to hear you chat. And we are excited about that. Standing ovation. <laughs> oh my god. Lyricist. Anywho, seasoned performers Terry Torres and Alexander Ferguson have performed on cruise lines and regional theatre productions before, meeting on the second national tour of Hamilton, covering not one, not two, but five characters between them. Five? Cheapers. That's a lot. Good on them. We cannot wait to share their story of tonight. (laughs) Alrighty, well, welcome to the podcast, Alex and Cherry. Hello. Thank you. Hi.
3: How have
1: you guys been?
3: (laughs) Really good. Just you know, taking it day to day over here in the states. You know. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Time is slower.
3: (laughs)
2: Lovely sunny day. You've got lots to look forward to for tomorrow.
1: Yes. Now we're going to jump right into it. Hamilton. It's a pretty awesome gig you guys are both doing. Now you guys are part of the Angelica tour. Could you maybe explain to the podcast listeners what an Angelica tour is and the all types of like different tours they've got in America because Hamilton is such a massive gig at the moment.
3: Yes, of course. Well, um, the Angelica tour ended up being, well, let's preface with it. After Broadway opened, uh, Hamilton opened a tour in Chicago and that was meant to be the first national tour. And it ended up staying for a very, very long time because people loved it. Um, So then the Angelica tour was born. So we ended up being taking over the first national tour spot and then uh after us the philip tour was came out then the and peggy tour that went to puerto rico <laughs> and went to san fran and then many many more i
2: love that people it's not want just... to see
0: it i guess yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: i love that it's not just the
2: peggy tour it's the N. and peggy. peggy and peggy <laughs>
0: poor girl
2: she deserved better
0: yeah right. she does
2: <laughs> so out of it sounds like you guys have had such an incredible time what's your favorite memory with hamilton so far on stage or off
3: Oh, gosh, that's a good one. I think one of the funnest, I mean, coolest things that we, we got to do for me was because um, we, we met yeah. in the Angelica tour and yeah. from then on kind of uh, started our relationship. And one of the coolest experiences was we both got to go to Miami. I'm from South Florida and his family is from a little bit north of that. So his family and my family both got to see us play Hamilton and Eliza together. <gasps> Um, And the stage management and even the actors were super, super helpful and supportive in making this all happen. Um, So it was just a really, really special night. We were nervous as heck as you can imagine. I get more nervous performing for my parents than anyone.
0: (laughs) I'm nervous remembering. Oh, my
3: God. It was (laughs) so special. It was really cool.
0: That yeah is that incredible. I mean that that goes without saying I think that was probably one of the best days. and it was my last Hamilton show yeah. as Hamilton because I had just actually ended my two- year contract with the tour the week before the tour shut down. <gasps> um, so I had literally ended my job right there and I was like, Maybe I should have reconsidered this <laughs> a week later, but no, it sort of forced me to commit to my decision, and obviously, you know, sit in that, and yeah. a lot good, a lot of good came from it. So it was, yeah. it was a great, a uh, great experience overall.
1: Now, do you want to explain what your roles are in
0: Hamilton? We were, uh, I started in the uh, onstage company as part of the ensemble, uh, playing James Reynolds, who mm-hmm. is the guy who blackmails him in Act Two. Um, But I also used to understudy Hamilton, Burr, and King George. And then as my contract went along, we lost a few people, and they asked if I could learn learn John Lawrence. And then two days later, I was in full run-throughs as John Lawrence. And I was like, oh, I guess I should have been paying attention to the third guy. And then... After that year, I got to go to the standby position and be offstage. And that's where Cherry and I got to spend most of our time together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, be an in, in offstage company. So I was covering those four roles, but then they took away my ensemble track. So I got to do Hamburg, Lawrence and the King pretty much whenever they needed me. Right. Yeah.
3: And essentially, I'm the female version of that. So I am uh, an offstage swing. Uh, so I cover the Skyler sisters, Angelica, Eliza, Peggy. And then I cover Woman 5, who is the vocal ensemble. My role is a bit of a hybrid between a standby and a swing. A standby cover is usually only leads and then the swing only ensemble. So I'm like towing both. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my official title is a swing.
1: I give so yeah. much credit to people on like ensemble swing understudy because how do you remember all these tracks <laughs> it's impossible <laughs> how uh, it's-
0: i mean i think we both have our different methods of, yeah. of per- we we work very differently as yeah. far as like how we keep it maintained and you maintain it, and I hope it happens. That's, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us how.
3: Yeah, I, I'm a bit of a, I, I work really well with muscle memory, so I have to kind of keep things fresh and keep rehearsing them so that when they I do get the call, I'm not like, <gasps> thrown off guard. <laughs> but it's honestly, before you do it, it kind of just looks like a huge mountain in front of you that has no end. And I know he had his really, really difficult experience. I know I thought I was gonna get fired about two days in. uh, It was really hard at first. But once you get past, I suppose, the first role, once you kind of get how the show works, uh, the other roles really kind of come a little bit easier yeah. because your mind kind of almost uh compartmentalizes them, right? And then honestly by my last role, I learned my last role in maybe two days. And I know he did too and literally had to go on like,
0: a-, a week later. A week later, yeah. Later,
1: yeah. Oh no. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's
0: crazy over there. And this show is like almost three hours long. Yeah. It's, it's it's so it's, detailed. It's a marathon. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah yeah.
2: And it's, it's not good. like you get to sing slow long vowels. You're like rapping rapping rap, 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 rap. <laughs>
0: Yep, oh, no room yeah, for no i definitely said and and all of us are guilty at some point of inventing some sort of gibberish and trying to convince the audience that we spoke english it's very <laughs> interesting when those and it happens a lot more than you would think yeah. But, Audiences won't pick up on it because they're not they're you know, cause they've heard the, the album a bajillion times. Oftentimes
3: they're like singing along to it in their brain, so they don't quite pick it up, but
0: or they're looking at the thousand other elements that are going on, like right. the dance and the set and all these things that are like, Oh, so spreading yeah. over words is is <laughs> hard at the end of the day, but we, we do it too. We
3: definitely <laughs> have plugged here and there. It happens <laughs> in That's what live theater is about.
0: Live yeah. Theater.
1: Yeah. That's what it's yeah. about. Keeps the magic alive. <laughs>
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Hamilton is such a success now. You'd get people from a wide range of audiences coming to see this show, and obviously, people in um, Australia—they're still so invested in American history as well, which is so fascinating. What, in your personal opinion, as performers, what do you think makes it so special about Hamilton?
0: Honestly, I think the, for, from my perspective, the the show has been groundbreaking for numerous reasons it's allowed uh opportunities for people of color to be in leading roles full time and no question about it like there's no question about who should be playing the roles mm-hmm. so um that's that's a great uh platform and the having the only latinx uh composer yeah. um uh have his second broadway show out there that's amazing and the fact that it's the most record-breaking show of all time and it's from him that's right. so cool and the show itself has this great message of you know the freedom and liberties that they were fighting for at the time and you know that's that's ever present in our daily struggles very but relatable very relatable and and i think the the show also encapsulates modern techniques of writing and composition and choreography and even some of the acting is contemporary. Right. So it's not all musical theater the way right. we think of Oklahoma or some of the golden age classics. We've obviously strayed, but this also isn't next to normal either. It's, it's, I feel like it's taken what that shows like Rent and next to normal started to do with contemporary theater and started to like really push and to a
3: different level. Yeah.
0: Let's add some Sondheim lyrics to yeah. the contemporary, you know, feel. It's right. like, he, he's a wordsmith at right. his heart.
3: The amount of of thought and detail that went into every aspect of the show is is truly like, even as an actor in the show who's seen the show a bajillion times, it feels like there's something new or something, yeah, something new you find every single time you watch it. And when you hear, you know, when any of the creative team come to like clean up the show or they always kind of uh, end up. Uh, having like nice long talks and, and talking about it, like why the movement is this way, why the lighting is this way. And it's like, you don't realize the amount of insane detail that, that they really put into this show, like everything, every, even the detail within the set, you walk in the set and, and, you know, there's pockets for things. There's actual (laughs) letters, every Eliza prop, like all of her Eliza letters are actual letters written and it's like actual letters from Hamilton to Eliza, like word for word, oh, that wow. as Eliza, you get to read, which is so cool and exciting. And I, I remember being on stage for the first time and being like, you really took the time to even put his words for her in this paper so that the actress could feel a little bit more in touch with it all. So it, it's, pretty, it's pretty remarkable what they were able to do. I think that's why,
1: you know, it was done with love and you can tell. There's so much detail. I did not know that. That's so good. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy.
0: That's part of what makes the show so hard to do is is because there are so many details. Yeah, Yeah, I think in the ensemble alone, they hand papers to every lead numerous times. So, like, trying to remember oh that's stack a of papers not stack b Mm -hmm. of papers you grabbed the wrong one it's like "Ah." and then like literally you have to look at it and go wow that has a seal on it so therefore that's a sealed letter (laughs) not just an envelope that i picked up
3: and not just that like the universal swings we have about two that kind of rotate companies every company is Different. Different. Every show is actually different. The blocking changes. It's so actually... you'll never see the same handle to Yep. Choreography differs here and there. Blocking differs. It's a frozen show, but it's also for like ensemble members, for example, the role is catered to you. So although Man 5, what we call like his role when you were ensemble, does um, James, James Reynolds, maybe on Broadway, Man 1 will do it. Oh. So... The tracks kind of flip around so it's it's quite cool that you kind of no matter what production you see you'll see something new i have to
2: keep my eyes out i might watch it watch it on disney plus right before i see it fly down (laughs) to sydney
1: (laughs) and then just watch the difference like that one that one that one (laughs) (gasps) that was a different arm. (laughs) they don't normally do those arms
0: Exactly. <laughs> I don't recognize those. <laughs> <laughs> I want my money back.
1: <laughs> Never. No, not for Hamilton. No.
2: Well, what what has it been like sitting in the uh, room where it happens? Sorry. Uh, what has it been like witnessing the impact of the show from from your perspective?
3: Uh, I mean, it's it's been quite inspiring. I mean, as an actress of color, I very very sparingly, sparingly saw myself. I. I you know, other than maybe West Side Story, uh, there weren't actresses like me getting up there and and constantly performing. Even stuff like Evita, oftentimes uh, the main actress was white. So I didn't see myself in them, even though it's a Latinx character. So, I mean, the same kind of within the Heights When Hamilton came up, I mean, just being able to know that there's a little girl out there who is like me and has curly hair and has dark skin, can see herself in any one of us in the show, that in itself is like, it, it like gives me chills to know that they can see themselves, you know, that's not something... I got to have often, so I'm just happy that we're able to like pass it on to the
1: next generation. Yeah, you, I was going to say you kind of answered the next question, Cherry, because the next one was because you've been a part of Miranda's work of in the Heights. What is it about yeah. his work that makes it so influential into modern musical theater?
3: Yeah, I mean exactly that. He was able to bring a community that is not often talked about or celebrated. And he was able to celebrate them and give them a voice and amplify the voices of people of color, which is not something a lot of shows in the past have kind of catered to, which is so, so, so freaking special. And also there there is this familial aspect to like the shows that he does. Every time, I mean, I, I've only done like a regional production of In the Heights, but I've heard of so many people say that whoever was involved in that show Kind of grew as a cast and as a family they just kind of attract his shows just attract great people it's really bizarre i've met some of the most wonderful people i mean so that's also like a really special thing that he somehow i don't know it's like he wrote it with love and it just kind of translates and it attracts that same love you know what
2: she
0: said, <laughs> <laughs> what she said yes <laughs>
2: Now we have loved the revolving stage in the show. Did you guys perform with the revolving stage too? Yes,
0: yes. it's blocked with one, so it's Ooh. part of it's part of the show, and they make you essentially go on stage for five seconds, what feels like, and you you do it slow, you do it fast, and and they'll change direction, and they're like, "Cool, so let's start blocking through the show."
3: <gasps> I didn't get that perk. <gasps> oh, you didn't get I, it they literally threw me on I think during one of their rehearsals earlier than they expected to throw me on so I think they thought that I had done it and alas I walked in with the wrong foot forward and did one of these and just kept walking and I was like okay we're just gonna keep
0: walking and that sensation lasts about three months and then eventually you look like a human again walking across the stage yes but it is a little Um, weird like choreography is weird it's jarring it's definitely blocked like with it in mind though so they they try to not throw you off as far as like your direction or momentum but simply the first step is where you can easily go astray. You have to step with it as opposed to crossing your feet because then the other foot will literally it's knock you your over. <laughs> You're done. Ooh. End of show.
2: Do you have any like slip-ups or horror stories that you can remember from the stage?
0: I don't know what I'm allowed to say on this podcast. <laughs> but Fair. But I, um, uh, if you know the alternate name for a rooster, I <laughs> accidentally one day, as James Reynolds said, Um, Dear sir, I hope this letter finds you in good health and in a prosperous enough position to put wealth in the blank pockets of people like me. And why I said that, I'm not quite sure. Maybe the uh, the assonance, the alliteration, something spoke to me, but I got a message from my choreographer mid-show <laughs> saying, what is a blank pocket? I want to know. Um, so you can <laughs> definitely imagine my embarrassment there.
3: Uh-oh. Yep. Again. Mine w- was <laughs> well, more that. related to the huge skirts that I had to wear um, the very first. I believe it was a put-in, my very first put-in. And during my shot, uh, Woman 5 enters and then just goes up the stairs. It's a very simple entrance. You just... But, you know, they, and they tell you so many times when you're, when you're like trying on your costumes, the sweet costume ladies are like, Hey, this is how you pull up your skirt. You're going to, you'll get it when you get it. And I was like, yeah, I'm confident. Like I got this. I walked up those stairs. And when I tell you, I got smaller as I I went up, because I kept stepping on it and stepping on it. And I literally just bunched everything I could and sprinted up those stairs to try to make the next step. And I was just looking like a munchkin. Like... It was a character choice. <laughs> it was a character choice.
2: Yeah,
0: off stage. Yeah. Character choice. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's like that gap people do where they're pretending to walk down the stairs and they like hide behind yeah, a like, wall.
0: It's like she going into a basement down
1: there? Like. <laughs> <when Yes. laughs> oh my goodness! Literally again, live theater. Everything is unpredictable. You never know
3: what you're going to get.
2: We wanted to know as well, Cherry, you started theater at a young age and you've accomplished so, 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 much. Oh, thank you. What is something that you've like a key golden nugget that you've learned?
3: The biggest thing, and I tell everyone this, including myself sometimes, is to not play the game of comparison. It's really, really, really easy to do because in our industry, We are kind of our own package. We're our own quote unquote product. But the moment you start kind of Focusing on the things you don't have that this person has. And it, it can really, really take a mental toll. And you can really allow fear to take over the actions that can actually help you as a person. So you end up doing yourself a disservice and kind of allowing fear to stop you from, uh, you know, accomplishing your dreams. So I always tell people, no matter what, try your hardest not to compare yourself to anyone. Because whatever they have, you don't. or whatever you have, they don't and every there's room for everybody truly mm-hmm. so to so just kind of focus on your path and your journey and if you're trying to get better don't try to get better than somebody else try to improve yourself instead
1: exactly and that's yeah. over to um over to alex as well when did you know that you wanted to perform on stage like when was that that click in the brain it was like <laughs> uh,
0: so it was a weird road getting there. I started in martial arts when I was three because my mother knew knew I needed some structure, um, and and so I did that for about eight years. And then at the tail end of that, I saw the movie Center Stage, and I begged to be in ballet classes. I was in an all boys boys ballet class by the time I was ten. And then I did that for about six years in total. And then halfway through there, the teacher had a meeting with my mother and said, do you know that your son can sing? And and she was like, no, I've never heard him sing. And, and then he said, well, he also talks a lot. And I was <laughs> like, well, that sounds more like me um, when I heard the story. And so he referred my mother to this place called the Masterclass Academy, um, which was at the time, a studio where you could basically learn musical theater and it was kind of like the only place for that in central florida at the time for youth and so yeah i was started seeing the shows and then i was like i want to do that and then the but when i was 12 i was in music man junior and by the time i knew everyone's lines that's when i knew i wanted to be in theater and I did the same job. wasn't even getting paid for it.
2: <laughs> oh, but look at you now.
0: I know, right? Oh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That somewhere in that transition to like kicking people's butts to Gromba, Ma, something in there <laughs> changed a in me. A kick. a kick is a kick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Random road.
2: Something. Something that I guess you two would have huge insight on as performers specifically in America right now, what can performers and creatives do to help the performing arts return stronger than ever before post COVID?
0: Write, if you don't write, write. And especially if you don't write, like I just need people to create because people are constantly saying, oh, there's no auditions. And I'm like, yes you are right, it seems like celebrities are the only people who are consistently working right now right. because they're the ones mm. who have the budget to be able to make it happen, right. at least here in the States. So if you don't know what to do, make a platform for yourself to do that thing. Yeah, that's yeah. the best advice I have.
3: And I, I think in this time, it, it's so difficult, right? Because we, we all, especially in a time like this, we go through periods of productivity and then periods of rest, which is absolutely nice and normal. But I, I think there is room to find the joy, like if you're kind of a, a singer or an actor, to find the joy in, in your art, you know, it's it's given me the time and the energy and like the vocal health after so much rest to be able to sing the songs that I enjoy singing and to kind of find the joy of it all as opposed to only using it for, you know, I to get the job, to get the gig or for the next job, which has been honestly really nice and really special to kind of take a step back and be like okay let me just enjoy art for what it is for a second
1: that's awesome thank you yeah yeah which kind of transitions into the next question really well alex we've seen that you've done some pretty good impressions yeah (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i had been like imitating people since i can remember Um, and I started, I don't know, Fred Flintstone and, and the plant from little shop voices that you wouldn't expect coming out of a little kid, you know, and those are the things that I was obsessed with. So I was trying to find some way to promote the many things that I feel like I do, but like put it in a formal package of some kind and like send it out into the world bravely, you know, that kind of thing. So this was a, a trend of starting to put myself out there a little more.
2: And I thought it was awesome. It was so creative, that video that you put out. And it was a variety of different characters in random different situations. It was like a compilation. I didn't want to spoil it too much in case (laughs) the the, the listeners (laughs) want to go and watch it. How did you get that idea?
0: So um, Vanity Fair actually put out three impressionists uh, a couple of years ago. And they're all three guys that I am like highly respect in the industry. Um, And they're not known as impressionists really one of them is but the other one's an actor on the walking dead and the other one's uh an snl uh comedian so it's kind of like they do these things really well and vanity fair wanted to package that so it was all black and white it was had jazzy music between so i was like okay how do i make this more me and uh you know i just made it a drum set instead and, and <laughs> said, uh, I'll make it uh, black on white instead of white on black, And you know, <laughs> inversion, conversion.
2: <laughs> I guess it's cool too because it seems like a lot of those videos have been posted, you know, in this last 10 months. Yeah. Was that part of your, you know, creative survival through COVID?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I often find myself drawing or writing before I remember to eat. So I, I know that means that I have a problem. But it also means that I really like creating stuff and it's definitely, a, it's been a coping mechanism during this time, but I would have been doing it anyway. So it's honestly, it's actually gotten better as COVID progressed because it went into panic mode. I am worthless and I have to create a Grammy Oscar Tony mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in in a month. I have to do this. And then it became, you know, eight months later, nine months later, finally going, okay so perfectionism is not yeah yeah Uh, definitely perfectionist at heart so having to build in that moderation and like make my own schedule to feel productive but then not become obsessive because i'm very good at like wormholing and getting a project done i'm very good at following through um but as i said i'll forget to eat or breathe and then
3: there's like
0: no pulse nothing. (laughs) (laughs) but then there's like an art like this, just <laughs> Mona Lisa's smile like in front of us
2: we also that saw you, you were touching on your drawing too we also saw a picture you drew called demon dreaming
0: on your socials demon
2: <laughs> demon <laughs> dreaming how did the drawing come about
0: okay another random road so <laughs> I was in elementary school and by the time I got to fifth grade I had pretty much been drawing every day that was like my favorite thing to do I had designs for video games and cartoons and all these things that I just thought of one day they'll exist and in my very perfectionist mantra I had someone come up to me at lunch apparently he wasn't a fan of art he took his pizza and he smashed it on my binder and it was like this thick it was huge Um, here's me though everything was in page protectors so it had nothing to do with the fact that it was maybe one page was a little tomato-y. <laughs> I was just been out of shape that this happened to me, and I got rid of the whole book. So I didn't draw for a while, but then I don't know, when I was like in twenty, maybe like definitely high school, I doodled, I doodled this whole time, but no with no purpose. Whereas it felt like I had a purpose back then, and that sort of turned into two years ago started taking that drawing and learning how to animate. So I taught myself how to animate and I've been working on a animated series with a writer's group that I've put together for the past like six months now. Yeah. Um, and we've got like a full season planned and coming and yeah. So the drawing has sort of manifested into creating another platform for myself as what I was preaching about earlier. Yeah,
2: Talk, talk about taking advantage of all your talents and skills. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> thanks right thanks
0: on. trying to trying to put them out there is hard because when you feel divided though it's it's a little bit of like a, okay i don't know if i'm always progressing because it's hard to dedicate that time mm-hmm. to one practice Projecting. yeah yeah one particular thing so just trying to find that but it's come with the scheduling that's that's helped <laughs>
1: Over to Cherry now. So, you (laughs) frequently use your social media channels as a force for good highlighting social political issues like uh, Latina equal pay, Black Lives Matter, (laughs) voting, women's empowerment, white privilege, the list goes on. It's amazing. Uh, If you were (laughs) the worldwide boss of theatre and the arts, what would you personally change?
3: I think the biggest, the biggest thing, because I, you know, obviously racism and misogyny and all, all of these things have been a part of our. They've been ingrained in our culture, you know, to the point where we subconsciously learn these things. So it, I feel like if we're talking the theater industry specifically, the important thing is for change to start from the top, and you know, things like the Broadway League to include more people of color, uh, more like Black people, more Latinx people, more like just to add that inclusivity. Because once you start being inclusive from the very top, that will seep to the bottom. It also, it's, you know, speaks highly of the arts programs around the US. Unfortunately, people of color have much less of a chance to, you know, get introduced to things like theater and stage management. And uh, I had a conversation recently about how like, very few stage managers there are of color or, you know, like stage hands or light sound, all of these things. And I think it, it's such a hard question because of that, because I'm like, it has to kind of start from the root. And it, it's a great thing that it's being publicly acknowledged this year, because there's been so much pressure to be vocal and, and, and you know, people are being held accountable, which is, important and and very, very true and very, very real. But now that we've acknowledged the issue and the problem, uh, my hope and wish is that instead of talking, we move over to doing so that when theater does come back, things are able to start moving in the right direction. Because, you know, change and change will take a while. It's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take mistakes and it's going to take getting back up and doing it better. And, you know, it's one day at a time, but yeah, just, I I hope that change is able to happen from the very top so that it seeps all the way down and and people Mm. feel welcome and included.
1: Yeah. And I do, I do, we like, we do really appreciate you using your platform as a theater performer to ensure we get all these issues out as well because obviously year 2020 was really rough as well but it's still an important year to make sure we get these issues out so we can start absolutely. evolving and changing as well yeah.
2: absolutely absolutely so it's up to you alex if, if you would like to do this or not because we know you know it's, it's impressions are not just you know drop of a hat um but if you're up for it we did have a little challenge that we called
1: Impressive impressions. There we go. Well, impressive
2: impressions. So we would put 90 seconds on the clock. Okay. And we'll give you a character. You won't have the whole 90 seconds. Just say like like something super super snappy of that character and tell our listeners why they should book their tickets for Hamilton. Or just sell the show in general. Up to you.
0: I'll, I'll pitch something. It'll, it'll go well.
2: <laughs> okay. So give it a go. we're going to put 90 seconds on the clock. Would you like to see the 90 seconds? Or do you want us to just tell you time?
0: You, you tell me when it's over. Okay. Okay. okay.
2: Ready? So three. Two. One. Peter Griffin.
0: Holy crap, if there's ever a piece of crap that you need to go see, it's Hamilton. Jim Carrey. If you need a night out, come with me and I'll take you to the front row seats of Hamilton. It's all about dead guys waving their things around.
2: (laughs) Sir Ian McKellen.
0: (laughs) So, it's about a bunch of old dead men and they didn't cast me. (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right. <laughs> and I mean, uh, I didn't see it myself, but uh, <laughs> I'd go if, if I had a free one. <laughs> Owen Wilson. All right. Wow, it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's so great. Uh, the show is just, uh, oh, wow,
2: it's beautiful. <laughs> John Mulaney.
0: If there was ever an expensive ticket in New York, it should be my show. It shouldn't be anyone else's.
2: Maury the Big Mouth Puberty Monster.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, so we're talking, we're talking Hamilton. Hamilton, Hamilton of good times, that's what I call it.
2: Will Ferrell as Anchorman, as, oh, sorry, as Ron Burgundy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, if you want to talk about a show, let me tell you that, that this one is... It's it's so it's majestic. Is that a word? Did I make that one up? Uh, yeah. Ma-
2: and time.
0: time. That was impressive. That was, incredible. <laughs>
1: that was so
2: good. So we got through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's we what we had,
0: had. Eight great. Eight is great. In a minute. Is oh my goodness.
2: <laughs> we had we had we had build up with the characters. We knew exactly who you were doing.
1: I was like, I was like, surely, I was like, surely not. He can't do Jim Carrey. And as soon as you did it, I was like, oh my goodness. We've got a <gasps> star on the podcast.
2: <laughs> You're John Mulaney spot on. I honestly think we could be like, yeah, we've got John Mulaney as a guest today and we could convince everyone and we'll just use yeah. some Photoshop.
0: If you need me to whine about something, I will gladly be John Mulaney for you.
2: That was incredible. Well, as our first ever competitor on impressive impressions, you officially hold the record. Woo-hoo! Well
0: done. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations.
2: Thank we'll post you. we'll post a trophy in the mail.
0: Uh, thank you. Yes, it might take yes, three, three like, to four yeah, months we're... to get there. Uh, no. yes. Three to four months. COVID pending.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thank you so much for doing that. That was incredible. Yes,
0: that was a riot.
1: Now, before we end the interview here, Theatre House is of course um, known as the home of theatre. So our question to you would be Where do you guys call home? Considering you've worked on cruise ships, you've
2: worked on the tour, you're in Florida now. You've been on a million different stages.
0: Where do you call home?
3: I, where you are?
0: (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Dang, dang, well, there was, the is, that was right? That was the best answer.
2: Right? Oh. She said. <laughs> Love is in the air. Da, 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 da. If people want to keep up with your popping off careers and find you, what's the best way to do it?
3: I would say my Instagram, it's just Cherry Torres. Anybody's welcome. I post a little bit of everything. I'm not super curated, so it's usually just me and my life and the things that I find very interesting.
0: <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram as Ferguson Batman and it's whatever I happen to be working on.
2: <laughs> and don't forget the YouTube channel.
0: Yes oh I should give you that one. It's my name Alexander Ferguson. I'm in the, I'm I'm looking like this very moody you know <laughs> if you see a guy touching his head that's me.
2: <laughs> that's him. And if you, if you can't remember just start singing along Alexander Hamilton and you'll be like oh Alexander Ferguson and you know
0: they announced my name to the cast before I joined the tour at a company meeting they call concon Con, and um they someone announced my name and that someone went that poor guy and <laughs> because they knew that people was, was gonna be happen mm-hmm. yeah oh it's great it's great i love it
1: <laughs> well thank you guys so much for coming on to our podcast and we hope you guys stay safe in america and yeah all the best for your creative future
2: and thank, thank you for your expertise and your kindness and the audiences are going to love it and we did too
0: yeah, you guys are oh, legends. Thank you so much for having us. Yes,
2: thank really. you so much. It's been a pleasure. Welcome back anytime. It is our favorite segment, Playhouse Picks. Our team has searched high and low for these great upcoming shows, so we hope you're truly satisfied. Satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> With our Playhouse Picks of the week, so obviously, our first recommendation: Do not throw away your shot. Yes head right on over to Hamiltonmusical.com.au. grab your tickets now. This production kicks off on the 17th of March 2021 at Sydney's Lyric Theatre and you bet tickets are flying out the door. I've already got mine.
1: You got yours? Not to flex. Shoot, I need to get mine now. Yes. Exactly. So feeling inspired by the songs of Queen... Of course. Of course. Then Harvest Rain Theatre Company wants you for their next Arena Spectacular. These are pretty special, these Arena Spectaculars that uh, Harvest Rain uh, Theatre Company does. Auditions for the principal roles in their upcoming 2021 and 2022 tour of We Will Rock You are now open. So experienced and trained Australian musical theatre artists are encouraged to submit an audition application via their website, But hurry, As applications close on the Friday, the 29th of January, 2021, it's time to break free and go gaga for a great role. You should audition, Chelsea, that was an awesome rendition. I can't
2: sing. Me neither, but we can podcast. We can podcast and talk. That's the main thing, <laughs> that's what pays the bills. Anywho, kicking off their 2021 season with a comedy, Javine Bar Theatre Company are sure to get you laughing with some of my best friends are women. Sorry, I had to say it like that. They open on the 30th of January, my birthday, and they close on the 13th of Feb. It tells the story of women in a book group who've known each other for a very long time, but don't necessarily like one another. Uh Uh-oh. Not like us.
1: I hope we like each other. I know. Yeah. I like you. I like you. I'll oh, stop it. Stop it. Oh, God. oh, I'm <laughs> oh goodness me. Yeah, tickets yeah. on the J Bar website. Uh, now, if you're in the need of a music fix, then Q Pack is serving up the goods on the 23rd of January with Remember the Days of Cat Stevens playing for one show only at the concert hall. That place is pretty special. Mm hmm. While Stephen's music is a little before my time, I can still appreciate the tunes that this musical genius offered us, featuring hits such as Moonshadow, Wild World, Father and Son, and many, many more. This is a show that is sure to bring the nostalgia. Grab your tickets at qpac.com.au.
2: Now, don't forget to follow us on Playhouse Pod on Instagram or Playhouse Podcast on Facebook. Stay up to date with the home of theatre as well at theatrehouse.com or at theatrehouse on all the socials. Remember, H A U S.
1: -S. (laughs) And you're going to say it.
2: (laughs) I just, you know me, I love a friendly reminder and I love an opportunity to spell. So, H A U S. And that brings us to the end of episode three. Da-da-da-da, we have ended the episode. Oh, what What were your thoughts? That was such a lovely interview. They are so delightful and so generous with their knowledge and their time and their talents and, oh my, I'm a
1: fangirl. They didn't, they, didn't, they could easily say no, but they were like, no, we want to just, they're so down to earth. And they're like, yeah, we would like to have a chat with you, which yeah. was so nice of them. And it was so cool as well hearing their
2: perspective on, being involved in Hamilton because I feel like it's it's not like a show that we've known before. It is such a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Yet they seem so just unaffected by how cool they are, you know? That they, they just seem so they are part it. of the cool
1: group. They they need to know that. We're so happy to interview amazing people uh, internationally around the world, but we're going to be bringing it back to Brisbane in the next episode. We're going um to a specific town. More specifically, in Billy
2: Brown. It's our town. (laughs) Sorry, we just had to to tease you all a little bit there with 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 an extended reveal. We're going to be talking to one of the performers from our town. It actually opens on my birthday. Exciting. I'm so excited. I'm really excited to see that one. 30th of January, but we'll see you next week. Before we do go though, Theatre House has an opportunity for emerging creatives. We want you to move into our house. We're calling for writers and reviewers to join the team. So in 2019, Theatre House visited over 170 productions. In 2020, aka the year where not a lot of theatre happened, they still saw over 100 productions despite the pandemic. So in 2021, we're growing bigger and better. We're anticipating a huge year of theatre and art as the industry reopens. Please log on on the web, on the internet, theatrehouse.com slash move dash in Hop on the website, apply. Applications close super soon. Friday, 29th of January, 5pm sharp.
1: Yeah, and it's Theatre House is a great opportunity, especially if you are interested in that kind of area, which is writing and reviewing production. So it is a great opportunity if you are interested. While
2: you're on the website, we also have some slots coming up for shows auditions stuff for us to talk about so if you have something to promote please get in contact please let us know also if you want theater house to come and review something just shoot a message through just get in contact who knows what could happen dreams could come true it does not hurt to ask exactly (laughs) also all of the links that we mentioned today are going to be in the show notes exactly heck yeah that brings us to
1: the end we are going off with a bang Bang! (laughs) Bang! (laughs) Alrighty, guys, we'll see you later. See you next week. Bye! And see.
0: The Disney vs. Disney Debates podcast is all about finding the answer to one simple question: What is the best Disney movie of all time? Christmas, Christmas. 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 Maybe the question isn't that simple So join us every Saturday As hosts from all across That's Not Can't And fight for their movies in one-on-one debates Moderated by me, Zane C. Webber. In order to decide once and for all Which of Disney's beloved classics Or recent hits will take the crown Mine. Mine. Save it for the show Available now on Spotify, iTunes And wherever you find podcasts